0: Amen, amen. Good morning, church. Hope that you guys are having a great morning so far. So just a little bit of um, news for you here at Eagles View Church. Um, many of you showed up this morning because some of your friends said, hey, we are starting a brand new marriage series um, this week, and it's going to be awesome for you and your wife. And so y'all came um, only to find out that I'm not talking about marriage this morning. Um, my name is Jamie Pippin. I am the EBC Go and Associate... Adult groups pastor here at EBC. Um, our lead pastor Bart Howell and Randy Miller, our executive, are both out with COVID. Uh, I got a phone call from Bart about four four thirty yesterday, saying, "Hey, dude, I'm out. Um, you're up." And uh, so, so to the uh, to the computer to see what sermons we had on file, you know, to to doctor up and get ready for this morning. So, if we're being honest, that's kind of where we're at. Um, and so. If it's a little rough, I apologize, but we are continuing to pray for Bart and Randy. They're doing well. Um, they are just staying out out of an abundant of caution. And so they'll be back next week. So our new series um, called It's Complicated is getting started next week. Um, so I promise you, if it doesn't, it is not my fault. Um, so don't come to me. But uh, it is supposed to be getting started. And then also, being your EBC Go Pastor, I just want to highlight something that took place this week. Uh, On Thursday, um, many of you showed up out at HCTC to help fill backpacks and pack them to get ready for the back-to-school bash that happened yesterday. Um, And I just want to say on behalf of our church and our church staff, uh, thank you for those that gave, not only of your time, but also your money. We raised um, over $9,000 to um, help fill backpacks, and so we were able to do that, um, I believe, we were able to help fill over 1,000 backpacks uh, with supplies needed, and I believe they handed out over 2,000 backpacks yesterday uh, to families in our community um, who need that as they are getting ready to go back to school. And so, EBC GO this year will be looking a little bit different. Um, we're gonna have a major focus on community outreach, um, and that starts with our school district, and that starts with our life groups. So, um, your life groups will begin to hear more about that coming from me as well, but I'm excited um, about that. Would you go to Lord in prayer with me uh, as we get started this morning? Father, we love you. Um, God, Why some of this takes us by surprise, it doesn't you. God, this was planned out. And, and Lord, I just pray this morning that you would be with us, that you would open up our hearts and our eyes and our ears to what it is that you would have us to hear this morning. God, I pray that you would have me behind your cross, that when I speak, it may not be my words, God, but it's your words. God, if there's anyone in this room this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, that this morning they would encounter you in a fresh and real and a new way. And God, they would leave this place changed for all of eternity. Lord, we love you. We ask that you be with us now during these next few moments as we get the privilege and the honor to open up your word. So, Lord, be with us. And sit here and we pray. Amen. I've titled this message um, breaking out now I don't know about you but when you hear the word breaking out what I want you to think about to yourself what comes to mind for some of you it's this idea of you know breaking out of a prison or escaping a prison right to draft a plan to come up and and to try to attempt to break out now we know um, that the track record for those that attempt that it's it's very slim success rate Um, you know 99.9% of them are caught very quickly Um, and so but when you think of this word breakout and you hear this word breakout there's a lot of things that may come to mind I'm a sports guy I love sports grew up playing sports grew up watching sports Um, for those of you that don't know it is August there's football in August so we will have football this month Um, and all God's people said amen and so um, but you turn it on ESPN and one of the topics of conversation is who's going to have a breakout year right? Who's going to outperform um, their teammates? Who's going to outperform others around them? Who's going to perform like they've never performed before, right? And they have a breakout uh, year. And, and so for you, the word may take on a different meaning. But when I think about it, I kind of go back to that first deal that I've talked about because one of my favorite movies of all time is Shawshank Redemption. How many of you in here have seen that movie and loved that movie, right? And we got some good folks in this room. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, go home. If you're a kid, ask your parents first. Um, There's two men, right? They bond in in prison, okay? And one man is in in there for a crime that he didn't commit. And so Andy is sent to Shawshank Prison for the murder of his wife. And it's not a prison, you know, where where they got their feet kicked up watching TV, eating TV dinners, playing basketball, working out. Like, it's a hard prison, right? It's not an easy life when you're there. And so there, he becomes in charge of the library. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's not hard. That part of it probably isn't hard. But just trek with me here, okay? And um, he befriends a prisoner while he's there. And he spends time and time and time excavating a tunnel to get out. Now, I'm giving you the very, very Cliff Notes version of this movie. And one night, He takes the the guard's clothes, dresses up as a guard, climbs through the tunnel, and he makes his way out. He breaks out of prison, and you see towards the end of the movie that his other friend gets out later, and they reunite. But what makes this story so intriguing to me is a thought process in which Andy took to have a successful breakout of this prison. Now, as I was mentioning earlier, what comes to mind when you think of the term breakout? Well... I did that all, what all good pastors do, and I went to, to Webster to give you the actual definition of the word breakout, and it's right here on the screen. It's a forcible escape, an outbreak, suddenly and extremely popular or successful. So that's what the term breakout actually means. So now I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to pose it to you. Let me ask you this. Do you like the trajectory of your life? No matter how old or how young you are, currently in this moment, right here at 9.58 a.m. on Sunday, August the 7th, do you like the trajectory of your life? Do you like the person you are? The thing in which you think you're called to do, in which you're called to live for? Do you like it? And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that for you to begin to process and begin to think about this. Because the truth is this, is that God has a calling and a will for every single one of us. No matter who you are, no matter where you are born, no matter what your skin color is, no matter where you were raised, God has a plan, He has a calling, and He has a will for every single one of you. He created you with a specific purpose. However, there's a big however if you don't know Jesus, Or you're running from your calling. And church, let me tell you, you may not be living up to your full potential. You may not be living up to the life and living the life that God himself has caused you to live. So this morning, I want want to encourage you to break out of the person that maybe you're pretending to be. To break out of the calling that maybe you wrote for yourself. And step into what god is calling you to do there's a story in the bible it's one of my favorite stories growing up and i think it's um it's short because god took a man jesus took a man who was possessed by demons and made pigs demon possessed and then they drowned like as a little kid i thought that was the coolest thing like you literally just sent cliff or pigs off a cliff right and they drowned like Anyways, I thought it was awesome, and so this is one of my favorite stories. Well, that's where we're going to be this morning, so trek with me here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. It's going to be on the screen, and what we're going to do is we're just going to open up, and we're just going to read the entire story first, and then we're going to backtrack, and we're going to unpack this for a few moments. So Mark chapter 5, if you don't have your Bible on your phone, or, or actual, this is what a Bible looks like these days, some of you, you know, it's just your phone, they have paper copies. Um, You can follow on the screen, okay? So, verse 1 says this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately, if you have a Bible, underline that word, highlight it, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bite him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd often be bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Verse 6, when Jesus saw from afar, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, please don't torment me. And the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. He went and told everybody, hey, check this out. Look what just happened. Pigs flew for the very first time. All right? For the very first time. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there. If you have a pencil or pen, highlight on your phone, underline this, the hinge point for this man's life, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus, just leave, depart from our region, And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he may go with him. He says, Jesus says, I don't permit you to come with me. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and how everyone marveled. So let's back up for just a second. Let's unpack this. Let's set the stage. If you look back in the very end of chapter 4 in Mark, Jesus had just calmed a storm, right? Jesus is in a boat with the disciples, okay? The disciples, the loons that they are half the time, right, kind of forget that they're in a boat with Jesus, okay? And so they start freaking out because there is a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and they're in these little boats. They're, They're not like what we have today. And so they begin to freak out and they tell Jesus, hey, Master, do you not care that we may perish? So Jesus does what Jesus does and calms the storm, right? And so as, after Jesus calms the storm, they continue their boat ride and they get to the other side. When they get to the other side, they encounter a man. And there's going to be a picture on the screen several months ago. I had the privilege to go spend about two weeks in Israel. And this is about the spot in which they believe this event took place. So I just want to set the stage for you. We're kind of sitting up on the hillside. To our left, kind of down a little ways, there's a cemetery that they kind of unearthed over there. And so right along this shoreline, right here, some 2,000 years ago is where Jesus would have just got done calming the storm. And he would have stepped out of his boat right here in this very region, right here, potentially in this very spot. And he would have met this man with an unclean spirit. So as you look at that, I just kind of want you to get this in mind, because when we think, see, at Galilee, we're thinking, it's really not that big. It's a glorified lake, okay? And they had just witnessed a miracle, and they get over here, and it's not that, like, Jesus takes any time off. So Jesus meets a man with an unclean spirit. But what do we know about this man? Well, A, he was demon-possessed, right? said he was a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. He stayed there in the cemetery. No one wanted to be around him. Nobody did. And that's shown to us by what we read at the very beginning of chapter 5, that they had tried to bind him with chains and shackles, except he would bust out of them, right? And daily he would cry out. Daily, he would cry out. He would cut himself with stones. He was living a life that most of us would say, I don't want that. Right? And people knew about the man. People avoided him. They didn't want to be around him. Why? Because of the nature of this man. The world, the town, his friends, potentially his family begun to place labels on this man church hear me out the world loves to label people based on their earthly circumstances i'm just going to tell you up front church if you are a believer that is not your job the world does that but this man was possessed right his earthly circumstances didn't draw people towards him it actually pushed people Away from him. And because of that, people wanted nothing to do with him. He wasn't who he was meant to be. However, the world thought he was living the life that he was supposed to be living. So they tried to chain him up. They tried to shackle him. They placed a label on him. They made him an outcast. And the first thing this man did that we read about, the first thing he did when Jesus got out of the boat, wasn't to say, hey, Jesus, hey, come over here. Hey, Jesus, come hang out with me. Hey, Jesus, do you mind hollering at me once you get back in this boat after you do whatever you come over here to do? I need to have a little conversation with you. No, this man, labeled by the world an outcast, this man all by himself, the first thing he did was he ran. He ran to him. He ran to Jesus. He begins to beg Jesus, hey, don't torment me. And as we read this, we realize that this is the evil spirits, the legions inside of him talking, right? The spirit within him knew the power of Jesus. These legions knew who Jesus was. They shuddered at his sight. They shuddered at his voice. And their legions couldn't stand Jesus. They couldn't stand Jesus. They couldn't stand his presence. Why? Because in that moment, they weren't in control. Jesus was. Church, if you think about that, isn't that so often why even we as believers say we love Jesus, but sometimes we really don't like the presence of Jesus? Because when we feel like we're in the presence of Jesus, we lose control. But it's my life, Jesus. Let me control my life. And Jesus says, if you're in me. You've relinquished your life to me. I've got a plan for your life. I'm going to be the one to direct your steps. And in this moment, these legions, this evil spirit was directing this man's steps. And the moment he met Jesus, the moment he was in Jesus' presence, before Jesus even said a word to him, they shuddered at his sight. So the spirit inside this man begged Jesus, Jesus Man, we can't stand your presence. We can't be here. Just, hey, send us to the pigs. And so nearby, there was a herdsman there tending to the pigs. And there's a picture here taken from the hillside. So right behind me, there was a steep, very steep incline, and it comes down to this cliff. And back in the day, the water level would have come up to this cliff. It was the only place around the entire perimeter of the Sea of Galilee that you could not walk from the shore into the water because obviously there's a cliff there, and it's the deepest part along the shoreline of any part of the Sea of Galilee was right there, right underneath this cliff. So when pigs run into the water, just like you and I run into the water, we don't drown immediately. Why? Because we can stand up. If they would have run off this cliff into the water, there's no standing. They're going to drown, especially demon-possessed pigs, right? And so here in this spot, a herdsman is tending his pigs. This man just maybe off to the right is meeting with Jesus or to the left. Jesus sends the demons from the man into the pigs, and they hightail it down the bank of the hill and off this cliff into the Sea of Galilee. And the herdsman's probably ticked off. Because he goes from one minute tending sheep to next minute watching his sheep take off and not obeying anything that he says, or his sheep, his pigs, not obeying anything that he says. So what is his reaction? A, he's probably astonished. He's probably freaking out. So what does he do? He heads into town. And he begins to tell people, what is the first thing that we do when we see something that happens in somebody's life? We often love to run into town and tell people too. We love to pull our phones out. These are great until something happens in your life that you don't really like and somebody does something to you that you don't really like and you run into town via this and you begin to to spread a bunch of lies and a bunch of gossip, but this man runs into town And he begins to tell people, so the people came and saw the man. But What did did I say earlier? Verse 15, when they saw him, what did they see? They saw this man that was demon-possessed, clothed and in his right mind, the way that he was intended to be. Church, hear me out. The world hates when Jesus begins to move. The world hates when Jesus begins to move. Why? Because when Jesus begins to move, labels that the world has placed begin to get peeled off. When Jesus begins to move, the world begins to lose control. The people in this man's town witnessed this man that they had seen for years upon years in this cemetery all alone, an outcast with no life, chained up, by shackles, people making fun of him—you name it—they now see him clothed and in his right mind, and they hate it. They hate it so much that instead of going to the one who performed this miracle and saying, "Well, I need to know about you," they said, "Jesus, please leave. Jesus, get out. Get out of our town." They're freaking out. They didn't like what Jesus has done. Why? Because Jesus does what Jesus does. He had taken someone labeled an outcast and he gave them a reason for living. Church, hear me out. That's the business that Jesus is into. He loves to give outcast people a purpose. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe, you're, maybe you walked into this church. Maybe, like I said, a friend invited you. Maybe you're driving by and he said, oh, I'll check it out. Maybe you're new to the area. Or maybe, just maybe, you've been coming here since the day Bart Howell planted this church. And you have felt like an outcast. Maybe you feel like an outcast at home. Maybe you feel like an outcast at work. I don't know your story, but I know this. If you feel that way, know that Jesus loves to give An outcast person, the person that the world has labeled an outcast, he loves to meet with them and give you a purpose. Not just for today, but a purpose for eternity. He loves to show you that you have a calling. He loves to show you that he has a will for your life. And then Jesus gets in the boat to leave. But this man who had once been possessed, what does he do? He runs again for the second time. He runs again after Jesus and is like, hey, 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 hey. Like, bro, you just changed me and now you're just going to up and leave? Like, bro, I need to come with you. Like, I can be the dude that you just say, hey, listen, let me tell you about this man and what, what I, Jesus, just did to him. Like, like, hey, I, need to, I don't need to stay here. Nobody likes me here. I need to go. And Jesus looks at him, and what does he tell him? No, you're going to stay right here. And it's not because Jesus didn't want him to go with him. It's because Jesus had a purpose for him, and that purpose was meant to be in that town, not get in the boat with Jesus that the purpose and the calling that he had for this man was to go out to that town and begin to tell people what had happened to him and in turn begin to tell people about Jesus. And so he began to do that. And look what it says, I love it. I love how it ends his story. We don't really hear much, we don't hear anything about this guy after this, right? But it says that he went away after he talked to Jesus for the very last time. He went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And look what it says. Everyone marveled. If you're marvelled at something, you're awestruck. You're kind of like taken captive by it, right? You look at it intently. You, you, you think about it. People were marveling at not just this man. They were marveling at the transformation that took place. They were marveling at the breakout that he had, that this man went from a demon-possessed man to a man with a purpose, a man with a calling, clothed and in his right mind. So how, what does this mean for you? Maybe you're feeling like the demon-possessed man today, wandering around with no purpose, feeling cast aside by those around you, feeling cast aside by the world, by society, by your coworkers. I don't know. Maybe you're just in here and everything is good. However, your role in this story is of the people in the town who have tried to bind people up, who have labeled people outcasts, who have cast people aside. And maybe your, this story for you is to realize you're not the one with the label maker. But I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you this. A story about a demon-possessed man and a story about a group of pigs drowning. If you think about it and you look at it and you apply it to your life, it will change the way in which you live. So Let me give you three things to take home today. And the first thing is this. The person the world wants you to be isn't the person you were called to be. Remember, let's, let's skip ahead in this passage. Jesus has just cast out the, the demons and into the pigs and they're gone and And the people come and they see it. And their response, remember, their response isn't, yo, Jesus, bro, that was sick. Hey, can you come tell my buddy, hey, Jesus, I got another friend who ain't as bad off, but he's kind of bad off. There's a group of, you know, stray dogs over here. How about you cast his demons into the dogs and they take off. We kill two birds and one stone, right? That's not their response. Their response is this hey, Jesus, leave. Jesus, we don't want you here. Jesus, please just leave. We've already defined this man. Jesus, we've labeled this man as an outcast. We've tried to tie him up before he would break loose. Yes. But Jesus, we've already painted this guy's picture. And we don't need you coming in here to change it. See, the world wants to be the ones to define you, but God wants differently. Why? Because God's created you for calling. i reminded of a verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, a verse that so many of you are familiar with. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. The world's plan for you, the world's calling for you, doesn't mean anything in comparison to Jesus' calling and plan for your Life He has created you for a calling. He's got a will for your life. The question I want to ask you is this. Who is the world trying to mold you to be? Let me ask you another question, maybe one that hits a little bit deeper. Who are you trying to mold yourself to be? Are you trying to mold yourself to be the man or woman God's called you to be? Or are you trying to mold yourself to be the man or woman that you want to be? Because I'm a living example that oftentimes the things that I want for my life, the things that I want for myself is not what God wants for me or for my life. But let's go to the other side of the story, right? Maybe you feel like things are good for you, but you are those people in the town treating people like this, treating people just as these people treated this man. Let me just share a verse with you. That at the very core, it's easy, but to carry it out, it's tough. John thirteen thirty four says this. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's going to be on the screen. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You're also to love one another. Very simple thing. It's in our mission statement. Love God, love people, develop disciples. But for us, it's often easy to make this verse say, a new commandment I give to you, treat others however you feel like treating them. Label others however you want to label them, even though I have not done that. See, Jesus, at the core of his ministry was one word, love. And for you and for me, that's exactly what we're called to do, which that leads me to the next point. It's hard for you to be the person you were created to be without an encounter with Jesus. See, the demon-possessed man was living a life, maybe that he thought he wasn't meant to live, or maybe he was living a life that just said, fine, I'm just going to continue to live. I'm not going to thrive. I'm just going to live, and I'm going to be okay with it, right? And he continues to go on. Everyone around him thought that this was the case, so we're just going to avoid him. And they had always seen him like that. And just as soon, this was the hand he was dealt. Church, let me tell you something. When you encounter Jesus, things change. When you encounter Jesus, your day doesn't necessarily just get better. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. When you encounter Jesus, your life changes. Let's go a step further. When you encounter Jesus, some of you for the very first time, you go from hell to heaven. This man went from hell to heaven. This man went from demon-possessed to clothed and in his right mind. Yet so often we want to play Jesus and we try to label others, right? But here's the deal, church, hear me out you can't be the person that you think God's created you to be without an encounter with God himself. Let me ask you this. You know, have you had an encounter with Jesus? 2 Corinthians five seventeen. I love it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The demon possession, it's gone. The old life, it's gone. Behold, The new has come. This man encountered Jesus for the first time, and it changed his life forever. His former life was no more, right? He held a new life, but not only did he hold a new life, he held a new purpose. He held a new calling. His purpose and his calling before Jesus was labeled by the world. Stay bound up in chains in a cemetery on the Sea of Galilee. His new purpose was go around to the town telling everybody what Jesus has done for your life go tell everyone An encounter with Jesus changed that trajectory and it especially changes it when you encounter Jesus and you step into who you were meant to be for those of you that know me know that you know I always thought that I would be a teacher I'd coach whatever grew up in Alabama grew up like I said loving sports playing sports all that whole nine yards and so graduated high school in 2005 and said you know what let's just do this Go to community college. Let's get the you know the basics out the way. It's cheap. Stay at home, live off of parents. Ain't a bad deal either, right? And I remember one Sunday night, I'm sitting there and I'm saved. I grew up in church. Great family. I was at church when the doors were open. I went on every mission trip, every camp, every VBS. Heck, I was there when the church was closed and I wasn't supposed to be there because my parents gave me a key. And anyways, got into a lot of trouble. But despite that. Man, I was in the church a lot. And I thought I knew what God had called me to do. So I set out on that path. And it was one Sunday night, Dr. Jerry Henry was preaching. And I was sitting in Fairhope Civic Center because our church, my junior year of high school, had caught on fire and burned down. So we were in the process of building a new sanctuary. And I was sitting in the back like a good Baptist does. And that Sunday night, I remember vividly, it's like the Lord just came down into that room and said, hey, Jamie, are you going to live your calling or are you going to live my calling? Are you going to try to live who you think you're supposed to be or are you going to step into who I'm calling you to be? And you know, if you grew up in a Baptist church, you know, even if you speak with God and there's a life change that's going to take place, it's really not official unless you come down the center aisle and you tell the pastor, right? (laughs) So what did I do? As all good Baptists do, walked down the center aisle, went to Dr. Henry. said, Dr. Henry, I feel like the Lord is calling me to step away from going into education and coaching. I feel like he's calling me into full-time vocational ministry. And so I, I did. I stood there, and just like all other Baptists do, it's really not official until they make you shake and say hey to every single person in the room, even if you don't know them. So after the church service, I'm standing down front, It's like a whirlwind of emotion and people are coming by left and right ladies that changed my diapers you know when i was little and they're all saying this it's about time you listen to god because see they knew me they knew me they knew what i was called to do but for me it took me listening to god took me realizing that i wasn't living the life that i was called to live and the life seemed okay There was nothing wrong with it. But it wasn't what God wanted for me in that season. See, it's hard. It's hard to be the person, church, that you were created to be without ever encountering Jesus. And maybe you've encountered Jesus before, and you've said yes to Jesus. But that doesn't mean you're not running from his calling. Maybe this morning you need another encounter with Jesus. And you need to say, Jesus, I'm 65 years old. Am I living the life you've called me to live? Am I fulfilling the purpose that you have for my life? Or God, is there something else? Because I can tell you this, church, no matter how old you are, how young you are, it's never too late. It's never too late to step out of who you are and into who you're supposed to be. And that leads me to the final thing. When we encounter Jesus and we step into who God has called us to be, People take notice. Very last two words of this story, the end of verse 20, was this. Everyone marveled. Remember, the man wanted to go with Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't, right? If you get time in a boat with Jesus, I think we'd all take him up on it, right? But God had different plans. He wanted this man to go tell people what had happened he wanted him to tell others about Jesus. And when he did that, people noticed. Not only did they people notice, they marveled. When we are living a life that God has called us to live, people take notice and they see a difference. But the thing that we as pastors get told all the time is this. Jamie, it's really hard to go live that life because people know who I've been before. People know the nitty gritty details of my life. They know the deepest, darkest sins that I've committed. I can tell you this, the moment you say no to God because you don't want other people noticing, not only are you costing yourself, but you very well could be costing them an opportunity to encounter Jesus also. Because when you begin to live your calling, when you begin to break out of who you are and step into who God has called you to be, people are gonna take notice. And church, hear me out. When people take notice, you're giving them an opportunity to have their lives changed as well. Your testimony, your breakout, your life can lead people to an encounter with Jesus. Some for the very first time. The question is this, is have people noticed? Can you ask yourself that this morning? Have people noticed my breakout? Have people noticed the change in my life? Has the way you lived changed the way others view you? Does your life reflect an encounter with Jesus? Is the calling that you're living out right now based out of God's calling for you or your calling for yourself? You see, because at one point all of us were just like this demon-possessed man. Lost, an outcast, bound for hell with no hope. But we serve a God who is merciful and gracious, who paid a penalty so that you and I wouldn't have to pay that penalty. Why? So we can forget about hell and we can look forward to an eternal life with Jesus. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want to challenge you to do one thing, and that's this. This morning, right here, right now, break out of who you were. Break out of who you currently are and encounter Jesus today and break into the person God's called you to be. And if you can sit here and say, Jamie, I am living the life, I am fulfilling the purpose that God has called me to live, then let me ask you this question. Do people notice? Do people notice or are you like the rest of these town people who know who Jesus is but want him to believe? Do you go around placing labels on folks or do you go around showing people Jesus? It's a question that we all have to answer. The band's gonna come out and they're gonna close us with a song. And I just, that's what I want you to think about just for the next few moments. Are you living out your calling? Are you living out your purpose? You were, your purpose is way bigger than living bound by the chains of this world, bound by the labels of this world. Bound by the direction of this world. Your purpose, your calling is much bigger than that. Why? Because God is much bigger than that. And you have an opportunity this morning that maybe you walked in here bound by chains. You have an opportunity this morning, church, to encounter Jesus. To encounter Jesus and allow Jesus to wreck your life. Allow Jesus to bring you to that spot to where you're clothed and in your right mind. So then you can go out and you can live your purpose and your calling and the will that God has for you. That can take place in this room this morning. The question is this. Will you be like the man? Will you run to Jesus? Will you run? If you've said yes to Jesus before, are you living the life that he's called you to live? We can show up to church. We can act like a Christian, just as my buddy Shane Pruitt says. We can can live it. We can try to live it. We can fake it. You can say you're a believer. You can do all those things, but just like you sitting in a car or sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car, showing up to church doesn't make you a Christian. Are you living your calling? Break out of it today. Break out of the labels the world has placed upon you. Step into who God wants you to be. I can tell you this. People will take notice. And when they take notice, your life can lead another person to an encounter with Jesus whose life then, what, doesn't just get a little bit better. They cross from hell into an eternal life with Jesus. What's your response this morning? Father, we love you. And God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a God that when we run to you, God, you break chains. God, you are all about breaking chains. Chains the world has put upon us. Chains our friends have put upon us. God, even chains we put upon ourselves, labels that we put upon ourselves. God, I pray this morning, God, that there would be a supernatural breakout in this place. God, that there would be people that cross from death to life, from hell to heaven. God, that there would be believers in this room who maybe they're old, maybe they're on the brink of retirement, but they say, God, I can't do it anymore. God, I believe in you. God, I love you. But God, I have not been living the calling you've placed on my life. And from this point forward, God, I'm stepping out of my calling, God, and I'm stepping into your calling. God, I don't know what it is in this room this morning, but God, we ask, we beg, we plead. God, do a work if something supernatural happened just like some 2,000 years ago on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. One of the biggest supernatural things to ever take place took place. Lord, move. Fill this place up with your presence. Break chains. Rip labels off. Grant you life. So, in your name we pray,